Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We got at Nate Geary Sports. And uh, Nate says, Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady, who is probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning. Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't watching the <laughs> <a> documentary. <laughs> Does Nate actually play sports? Emotional damage. On WGR. You good? Not that it gets. He died of emotional damage. Sports Radio 550. If the Sabres aren't careful, they might create some emotional damage for me because I'm getting reared up, ready to go to watch these guys every night. Well, I mean, reared up and ready to go. I I don't know if that's true. I'm enjoying watching them play if that's... The same thing. I'm not sure. The Sabres yesterday, they win 5-4 to four over the Minnesota Wild, as you heard in Zach's update there. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that here in the first segment going into our 1130 segment, where our first guest of the afternoon will join us. I, I tweeted out my schedule yesterday of guests. It will be slightly modified today because we do have a Niagara basketball game that we will be switching over to at 1 p.m. Pat Malacaro will be taking over the airwaves. I will be passing it to him at 1. So, therefore, my 1 o'clock guest, Charles McDonald, uh, won't be joining me at 1 this week. He will be joining me next week at 1 o'clock. So, don't worry if you were uh, lining up up to hear Charles uh, I apologize but he will uh, he'll be around next week for us uh, so no worries there I've got Mark Schofield uh, obviously good friend of the program joining us at 11:30 we're going to talk a lot about the combine about the Patriots winners and losers so on and so forth you know the drill we've got Patricia Trena she is the host of Locked on Giants she's going to join us uh, at uh, at noon we're going to talk a little bit about the Giants because obviously with the Brian Dable and Joe Shane connection, there's been a lot of chatter. Um, you know, Vegas odds have the Bills at almost even money to acquire Saquon Barkley. They're also talking about James Bradbury, their star cornerback, potentially being available for trade and and available for trade at a very reasonable cost. So we'll talk to Patricia at noon about that a little bit more. And then Matt Perino joins me at 12.30. We'll talk a little bit more and hammer down on the Cole Beasley reports. Yesterday, um, obviously, there was a, a national report from Jim Garofalo um, from NFL Network that said the Bills have granted Cole Beasley and his agents um, – the freedom to go out and seek a trade and find a trade partner for them. Uh, the Bills, obviously, this year can save $6.1 million off of their cap on the 2022 season if they cut or or, or trade Cole Beasley with a 2.1, or I think it's maybe 76 in total, his cap hit is for 2022. They can save 6.1 of that by cutting or trading him. He has been given that permission by Brandon Bean and the Bills. So we'll talk to Matt Perino a little bit about what that looks like, why that has been the case, and has this been something that uh, has been maybe um, looming and and simmering in the background for a little while now. So we'll talk to we'll talk to Matt at um, 
at 12.30 for that. And again, 1 o'clock, I will pass things over to our buddy, Pat Malacaro, who will be uh, handling coverage of, I believe it's Marist, uh, Niagara and Marist, will be uh, tipping off here just after 1 p.m. on WGR. Okay, so I, I, I said we would start the show talking about the Sabres a little bit, and I'll do that. Um, you know, Zach, I assume you, you had a chance to at least watch some of that game yesterday. I don't know how early you had to be here today, if maybe you, 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 you cut the game off uh, at a certain point. I... When I have to be here early, I do tend to try to, but this week, when I was filling in the morning show, the Sabres played, and they beat the the the, the Leafs 5-1, to one. and not only did I watch every moment of the game, but I also watched every moment of pregame afterwards. I stayed around for the, um, you know, for the postgame press conferences with all the players, and did the same thing yesterday, and... Um, there, there does seem to be a level of, listen, this is a team coming off of six straight losses. So understanding that um, in the pretext to this conversation is important. But seeing like and feeling like there is just sort of a, a progress, uh, something that you can physically look like has been moved forward each of these games. And even in that six-game losing streak, there was a lot of things that you could look at and say, like, yeah, listen, I mean, I don't have to tell Sabres fans that they – could look at a six-game losing streak and figure out a way to, to make a positive out of that because that's what we've been doing for, for 10 years now. But there truly has been positives you can even take out in some of these losses. Right now, you have two players in Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner that are both on pace to score 30 goals. It would be the first time since 2011 a Sabres player, two Sabres players have scored 30 or more goals in the same season. So there's a lot of things to really start to like. Um, and listen, I think part of this too is – where we've seen Rasmus Dahlin come from, from from you know game one to game sixty or wherever we're at right now, like there you can go down the list and find guys and find things that they've improved on this season. And to me, that has to sort of be the resounding positive of this whole thing is there's a coach that has prioritized development, but not just on ice development, Zach. Like there's also part of this that's mental development and helping guys connect their physical you know, their, their, their attributes, the things they could do on the ice with the confidence that they need that I don't think this organization has had within that locker room in a very long time. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you just point to Dylan Cousins. I think he's kind of the, the, the sort of the main pitcher of the mental aspect because he had kind of like an up-and-down middle of the season, but Granado basically just refused to send him to Rochester. Essentially, you got to work through your problems, which, yeah, you do. I mean, you're a very young team. But now you're seeing guys like Tage Thompson who have have worked through their problems. They found their position that they work well in. He's scoring at will. He somehow didn't score last night, just based off of previous games. Skinner, apparently all he does is score goals. That's fine. Score goals, right? Yeah, that's what you do. Um, Darlene as well. He had a really rough start to the season, but he, I mean, it now does look like he maybe has found his defensive line partner, which is fantastic. Which would be fantastic, considering. I don't think a lot of people were putting value in like what Jacob Bryson could bring to the roster in in in, in sort of like a a long-term perspective. I think if you thought about Jacob Bryson coming into the season, you're thinking of a seventh defenseman. You're not thinking of a guy that's playing on your top pair as a left-hand shot on the right-hand side as a puck mover with the best puck mover you have on the team. You're you're thinking to yourself that doesn't make sense from a philosophical or from like a, a an on ice fit you're, you're not thinking that going into the season so again here's the thing you go into this season and Tage Thompson what's the talk in preseason well Don Granada wants to see what it looks like at center the previous coach had never even thought or imagined to try Tage Thompson at center right so I guess where I'm I'm starting to bring this funnel down to is the coach is Clearly a good under – this is not proper English, but I don't know how else to put it. A good understanderer of what he has. Like, he sees a player as a moldable piece of clay where I think the previous coach came in here, and really probably the previous four or five coaches, right, have all come in here and basically said, what have you done? Can you be better? If you can't, then we need to move you out of here. And it's not – this is what these are the resources you've been given. I'm going to try this. And there has never been and, and listen, part of this could be that as a head coach coming into Buffalo, the last three of them, you have a, a weird, almost immediate pressure to start winning. And that has not been what the organization's message to Don Granado is. Like he has full autonomy 
to go in and try things with this roster because he is not expected to win a Stanley Cup this year or next year. And if that is the case, that probably was not the same luxury given to to the previous three coaches. I certainly don't want to give excuses to Ralph Kruger, but when you go out and get Taylor Hall and your owner is heard on a video saying, like, this is because we're going to go and win Stanley Cup, plural, like, that is a different pressure than going out and saying, well, we barely made it to the salary cap floor. Have fun this season, Don. Like, Go out. Let's see what you can do with a team that's spending less than any team in the entire NHL. Let's see what you can do. There's a different expectation in that. So he's Granado's been afforded a flexibility that likely the other two, three, four coaches before him haven't been given. But even then, I want to say I would not give them the benefit of the doubt that, frankly, those guys are smart enough to make these moves. And Don has been through USA Hockey. He has, he has been a huge part in developing other players that are currently being successful in other organizations, and not just here in the U.S. in the NHL, but abroad as well. Like He has helped young players find themselves, find their role in the NHL, and he's doing it here. And I think the Tage Thompson example couldn't be a better one. Obviously, Jeff Skinner is a great example, but he didn't remake Jeff Skinner. He didn't move Jeff Skinner from wing to center, and all of a sudden he's turned into a, you know, scoring 12 goals last year, being on a 30-goal pace. No. But he's giving Jeff Skinner very... Don Granado's doing things as a coach that feel like common sense to fans. And that is a very welcomed thing. Because they're coaches that have been here. You You don't want to feel like the coach is not as smart as the fan base. Right? Like, you want to feel like, okay, I see that move as being smart, right? Like, that's something I would do. You feel like a lot of the moves that Ralph Kruger were making and all of this, right? They didn't make a lot of sense. And I know that Ralph still plays Cody Eakin, and we probably would all like to see Cody Eakin not in a, in a primary role on the ice as maybe a, you know, an extra forward. Like, maybe that's the ideal world for Cody Eakin. But as it stands right now, we are probably approaching the best part of this season here over the next couple of weeks as the college season wraps up and the Sabres and we get closer and closer to the trade deadline and you are 100% going to move some of these expiring contracts to Colin Millers. The problem is, and, and, and I think we heard uh, Kevin Adams allude to this recently this week, which is you could trade Colin Miller. Right, you could you could trade Cody Eakin if there's a market for him. You could trade Will Butcher if there's a market for him. You got to replace that money. Like you can't just move out Colin Miller because you will be before, you'll be below the salary cap floor. So they're going to have to do the more than likely if the Sabers are going to move expiring contracts. They're and and Kevin Adams alluded to this that he's sort of gone out and told people around the league like. We can sort of be a facilitator for teams that want to maybe that maybe don't have the salary cap space but want to better themselves at the trade deadline for a playoff run. Well, the Sabres can offer you sort of like a safe haven as a place where you can bring a trade through and we'd be willing to take on a contract with term. We'd be willing to take on a contract that maybe another team wouldn't and we'll be able to do that. Listen, it's, it reminds me a little bit of what the Houston Texans did. Um, uh, the, or I should say the Cleveland Browns did for the Houston Texans with Brock Osweiler, right? Like they went out and said, yeah, we'll take Brock Osweiler, but we need a second round pick in return, right? And so you're able to, you know, get more premier assets just by utilizing your cap space for other people to make some trades. And I I really liked that he left it open to acquiring a player with term. Um, like I, I think that's, I think that's something I, I, and could I could you open the door for maybe a player that we're not thinking about right now that isn't fitting in in another team? Because think about the value right now of right hand shot defense. I mean, Colin Miller, it, I mean, he's not in the future plans of the Sabers, I don't think. But seeing that Rasmus Ristolainen goes for a first because he's a right hand shot, and almost exclusively that's why he went for a first. Um, it certainly wasn't because he was like, you know, years and years of success here in Buffalo or anything. Um, but you could potentially get a player that has signed his 
you know, first contract or, you know, uh, he's, he's outside of his entry level and he signed a bridge deal and maybe a team that, I don't know, I'm, I'm having trouble, like, thinking of a player that pops into my mind. But, like, I don't know, Max Domi or something. Like, someone young that, I, and maybe a better example of this is one of the young guys on Montreal. Not that I think Montreal is going to be in the, in the you know, market to try to acquire a right-hand shot defense for some sort of run. But, I don't know, I, I, I'm prognosticating a little bit here. I guess, I guess where, what my point is, Owen Power is likely going to be playing at least a couple of games here in the NHL before the end of the season, after the Frozen Four, and after Michigan season's over. I think that's the expectation. I think there's a real expectation we're going to see some meaningful games from Ukapeka Lukinen again coming up here in the next couple of months. I think there's real hope that Jack Quinn is going to be back up here at the NHL level, getting some opportunities to play with Dylan Cousins and some of the other young core players at the NHL level. Could we potentially see J.J. Paterka again come back up to the NHL level? He's been doing a lot of things, a lot of great things down in the AHL. So where I come to ultimately is, you know, I think there, I'm excited right now, but I can see myself getting even more excited in the coming weeks. I think that's where I'm, I'm going to be at is it's, it's fun now, but it's more. I'm I'm waiting down the road. I want to see Quinn back. I want to see Paterka back. I want to see UPL back. I want to see Own Power here for the first time. I actually am quite excited to watch him in college hockey for the uh, for the Frozen Four and all that stuff. So like I I'm kind of with with uh, Jeremy on this too, where it's just like I'm hesitantly excited. I'll watch games. It's fun. But I'm like, okay, how many of these guys are really going to be here next year, two years from here? How many of these guys are actually going to pop? You know, who should I be watching for in the draft? So, like, it's, it's still – I'm I'm not totally there yet, but Granado, his development, and seeing guys like Thompson – Casey Middlestat last night, by the way, was fantastic for, I think, two periods. I don't know how his third period went. I stopped watching after that. But, Indeed. But, I mean, it's like th- there is – there is a good feeling coming in that I'm excited for, but I, I just want to I, I want to pull back a little bit. But the, I mean, these last few months could be really fun, like just to get kind of back into it and see how this team develops and keeps going. Yeah, it's it is it's it's exciting, um, and I, I think that's probably the the best thing I could say about the Sabers in a long time, right? It's there's there is a level of foundational excitement about the people, the way that it's being done, right? The coach and I've, I've maybe at nauseum a little bit have um, expressed my, I mean, I. I like the coach a lot, and I've, I've not felt that same way really, I don't know, in my lifetime. I, I always I liked Lindy when he was here. You know, I, like obviously he was the head coach during some of the best and highest times this organization has had, but um, I never felt there was the same level. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Don is such a good communicator, and maybe it's just as simple as that, and I like Don because he makes it very, he makes it easy to like him. You like love his interviews. I do. I, I mean, I like if I get a chance to be here on a Tuesday morning and do a Don Granado interview, you can bet your ass I'm going to be here to do it. I just I, I enjoy doing it because he's he just is a real guy. He gives real answers. He's not a, you know, unfortunately, I, I say this about Sean McDermott who's a great coach. But I mean, Sean is not that way. He does not subscribe to the same um, communication strategy that Don Granado does. And I, I think you can have you can be both. You can have a guy you get you a guy that maybe can do both. Right. Uh, and I think Don will probably not always be this right I think it's I think right now Don is not necessarily forced to be this but when you're not winning and there's not a lot of high level expectations you know I think he feels it's probably a duty to be a little bit more welcoming opening uh, you know willing to open up the hood a little bit and talk about things that maybe he wouldn't if they were a team that were in a playoff stretch right now in a playoff race you're talking about different things um, but he's got so many young guys I think it's important that while he's in here in these interviews and, and sitting with Jeremy and Howard or myself if I'm in or if anyone else is in I think the important part is you know talking about Tage and talking about how his mental development is meeting the physical development and what goes into that and some of the conversations that he has in his office with these guys he's talking about how players hey you know Tage and you know we had we had two young guys two groups two lines come into my office and say they wanted to go out against the, the Marner and against the 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 Matthews line like that's stuff that you know I don't think Sean McDermott's necessarily doing with the Bills and I don't know I just like again I, I'm not making this a McDermott versus Granado thing I I, I I that's not the point of the argument it's more so just me kind of comparing the two communication styles because I do think that they're very different and um Again, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of end my Sabres, I guess not really a rant, but um, I'll end by saying that it feels 
like the Bills and the Sabres um, were at similar points. Like, I think the Bills were at this point in 2017 when, when McDermott and Bean came to Buffalo. And what one draft class can do for you um, in the NFL where you've got 22 players playing on a field at one time is very different than when you've got, you know, 12 guys on the ice. Um, the impact is greater in the NHL if you get a high-level player than it would be if you get a great linebacker. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think about this NHL or th- this team here in Buffalo, and I am interested. Like, this week is going to be interesting. Home against Florida. Home against Las Vegas. And then the, the Heritage Classic. Like, this is... This will be a really, really interesting week for a lot of reasons. I'm maybe most excited about that game on Thursday night. Las Vegas. How do you think it's going to go? I don't know. I don't know. I think it could go a lot of ways. I don't, I don't think that um, – I suspect there will be some animosity, some booing, right? I, I, I suspect that. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to get – I think it'll be healthy booing. I don't think it'll be uncomfortable. You don't think it'll be uncomfortable? I don't think it'll be uncomfortable. I don't know if I'm there yet. I think it might be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't th- I don't know if I'm there to be like it'll be a healthy booing, it won't be that bad. I think it's going to be a little weird. I'm I was somebody that desperately wanted the Eichel situation to be mended. I didn't really want him to leave. I think he's too talented of a player. I think Vegas is going to probably win a Stanley Cup with him as their I, I guess star the face of their franchise and that's going to hurt. Because I mean we, we went through the tank. I mean that's mm-hmm. ultimately and the following process was the part where it was screwed up. And I don't really want to see that. But also, I, I, I want Eichel to win. I don't think he got a fair shot here. I think he did love the city. I think he enjoyed the fans. It's just you cannot lose that much. Mm-hmm. You cannot be one of the worst-run sports organizations in North America and just, uh, it's fine. I, I love the city so much. I just, I want to be here. You, you can't. Yeah. If if you've played athletics, I, me and you have both done it. You literally you have a wall. Everybody does before you're like, all right, I I need I need a change of scenery. I need a change of coaches. Whatever it is, and hit that wall. And then the surgery happened, and it's it, it. There was a lot of stuff there that I I just don't blame Eichel. Was he a great dude? I don't know. Maybe I, it's not for me to say. I've never met him. Sure, but he was an awesome hockey player, and he did a lot for Darlene. He did a lot for the young guys. You saw it on the bench. So I don't really subscribe to the idea, too, that he was a bad teammate. I just, I think a lot of fans, and I absolutely fall into this as well, care far more about the team than a single player and are more willing to blame a player than the team. Because the team, hopefully, never leaves. Players do. Players do, that's right. That's that, that, that's a, I guess that's a good way of looking at it, too. I, I would agree. Um all right, we're going to transition into football a little bit. We've got Mark Schofield here coming up of the touchdown wire. He's going to join us. We're going to talk about the combine, talk about some of the running backs, some of the wide receivers from earlier this week, and the quarterbacks, where he's got people going with the Patriots, obviously being a guy that, that does a lot of Patriots content. We'll talk to him about his potential draft, where he likes the Patriots going in the first round. So we've got Mark Schofield that's coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday. So don't go anywhere here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Cole Beasley, the Buffalo Bills. Teams were notified here in Indianapolis that he has received permission to seek a trade, I was told via sources earlier this week there is interest in him he's on the verge of 33 but 82 catches in each of the past two seasons i spoke to bill's general manager brandon bean late yesterday and he confirmed that the team has given beasley permission to seek a trade he said quote they approached us we listen and have allowed them to seek a trade partner but he did say no door is closed beasley owed 6.1 million this upcoming season so they would welcome him back if he decides that he does want to return i would expect that he would want a new contract as part of it. Nobody's saying, by the way, Justin Turner, Beasley's agent, and I uh, declining comment. Nobody's saying why, but Cole Beasley had a rocky year. It was a rocky year. Involving all the COVID stuff. That was uh, Mike Garofalo of NFL Network talking about Cole Beasley. That uh, report was made made yesterday uh, during the combine, and uh, now we are starting to see the uh, the trickle down of that report and uh, some rumors around the league about where Cole Beasley could go, why he wants out. We'll talk to Matt Perino a little bit more about that in an hour. But first, we'll go to the Wester Hotline now because my man Mark Schofield joins me to talk a little bit more about the Combine, which is still, by the way, currently underway. If you want to watch uh, any of the testing, you can head over to NFL Network and do that. Uh, or if you're a SiriusXM guy, of course, you can go check it out at uh, the NFL SiriusXM Channel 88 as well. Mark, uh, how are you, my friend? It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I've been it feels like it's been a little while since we last chatted. It has been a little bit while since we've chatted, Nate. And I think the last time we uh, had a little conversation was right before the wild card round. And obviously, we know how that one turned out. Hopefully, you know, our conversation here over the next couple of minutes goes a little bit better than that game, at least from a, at least from my perspective. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man. And listen, you know, this is this is the kind of this is the time of year where especially a guy like you, not me as much anymore because, you know, the Bills have a franchise quarterback and I don't need to be, uh, you know, as, um, you know, hands on, especially with the quarterback class of this year. Um, but I kind of wanted to start there with you because I obviously the Patriots aren't aren't going to be in a market for uh, for for a quarterback in this draft either. And, and frankly, it doesn't really seem like anybody in the AFC East mark is going to be in the market for a quarterback, at least early in this draft. I, I, I keep finding myself every year um, uh, short of last year where there was a lot of good young talent, maybe right at the top with Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but. There is no Trevor Lawrence in this draft, right? And 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 frankly, you look back at last season, and I'm not sure that you know using Trevor Lawrence as the benchmark for rookie draft classes and maybe necessarily the best thing to do. Um, but all in all, what about this this rookie quarterback draft class? Is is it as I don't want. It's not. I don't think I hear people saying it's bad, Mark. I just don't think people think there's that franchise level quarterback at the top or middle of this draft. And I keep looking at it and keep finding myself, in ways, liking it a little bit more and more. But I, I think I'm also in agreement that this is not a draft class that that has a, a surefire day one starter um, that you feel like is going to bring a team that's drafting in the teens into the playoffs. Right. I think that's probably Nate the best way to put it. It's a class that perhaps has more questions than answers. And it's a class where I think if you're looking for somebody to step in week one and start for an NFL franchise, whether you're a team that believes you're close to playoff contention, whether you're a team that's even still looking to be a year or two away, but you want to give somebody experience, you might not feel comfortable starting some of these guys. But that doesn't mean that there aren't future franchise quarterbacks or even future starting quarterbacks in this group. It might just take a little bit of time, development, and patience. Unfortunately, NFL franchises, by and large, don't seem to abide by the time, development, patience mode of handling young quarterbacks these days. The MO has certainly been over the past couple of years now, draft a rookie, get him on the field, and let him sink or swim. And I'm not so sure, looking at this this quarterback group, that there might be players in that mold that can stand up to that. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be able to. It doesn't mean that in the right situation, a Malik Willis or a Desmond Ritter or a Kenny Pickett or Carson Straw and Matt Corral, Sam Howell, 
you know, won't be able to like figure it out and put together a, the kind of performance that you want to see from a rookie quarterback. But there's questions, more questions than answers. These guys are going to need the ideal scheme fits, the ideal landing spots. Some of these guys, I think in particular, Kenny Pickett might need, you know, the best sort of talent around them. Pickett might need a really good offensive line because there are moments when he's a bit inconsistent when he sees sort of secondary pressure or pressure coming from an area he's not expecting it. And so there are more questions than answers. It's why, you know, when we were out in Indianapolis, you heard discussions about Jimmy Garoppolo, discussions we're continuing to hear. That's why we're hearing discussions about Mitchell Trubisky. There's a thought that for teams that need to address quarterback but want somebody that can play week one, they might go the veteran route as opposed to drafting one of these rookies and seeing them, seeing if they can sink or swim. Yeah, and, you know, I, I keep thinking about guys like, you know, Desmond Ritter, right? Like a guy that – tests through the roof I mean some of the the athletic profile in Ritter um, I, I think if you're me I, I went into the combine thinking he would probably test well I wasn't sure he was going to run a sub, sub 4 five forty, um, have a 38 inch vertical like those are not things that I that I necessarily saw in his game on film but what I did see on film about Ritter um, Mark that that makes me think that it's possible. There, there's two guys in this class, Mark, that I think are probably going to be underdrafted, um, but could potentially have the highest ceilings just from their athletic profile. Um, but even maybe less for Sam Howell, who's one of those guys for me, but more so for Ritter, who, when you look on film, I, I, I think there are times you see his arm and you think you see limitations. But almost every time I see a bad throw or a throw that maybe doesn't have the velocity that you'd like to see from an NFL arm. I immediately am drawn to his lower half. I'm, I'm drawn to his feet and seeing the base get wider and wider on some of those throws. And when I think of an athletic profile like Ritter's and I see a consistent problem like his lower half, I, I, I seem to think that like that's a guy that maybe you want, if you have a good coaching staff, if you have a, a an older veteran quarterback in place where you can bring Ritter in and have him sit for a year or two, like that might be a guy that ends up being the best quarterback in this class if he's put in the right situation. Like where, What are your thoughts on Ritter, and, and do you kind of maybe subscribe to the same thought process I am with him? Yeah, Nate, I think we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to Ritter. And, you know, talking to some people out in Indianapolis, there are others that are on that same page as well. Like, Got a chance to talk for a long time to Nate Tice, who was a quarterback at the college level and was coached uh, at a number of different spots. And he was really high on Ritter as well. And part of it is what you saw. There's that inconsistency, but it seems like he's getting better. Two years ago, the ball placement, the accuracy, it was a bit rougher. This year, he made some strides in that area. And yes, he still missed throws sometimes early in games, but you can look at sort of that base as a potential reason why, and it's something that if he continues to clean up and refine his footwork and his lower body, you might see those ball placement issues diminish even further. But I think two other things that I think NFL teams are going to like about him first, he's very, very smart with the football. doesn't make a lot of mistakes, doesn't take a lot of chances, doesn't really force the issue. And if you're a team that believes you're close, like, say, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Washington Commanders, and you have coaches that don't want to see mistakes and turnovers, Desmond Ritter might be very appealing to those organizations and to those coaches. And the other thing that I really like about Ritter, his experience has put him in a position where he can do some of those NFL things that we talked about during the season, right? Read a concept front side, don't like it, come to the backside dig. See the safety spin from you know too high to single high, find your matchup, whether it's Alec Pierce or somebody else, and take a deep shot downfield. You watch his game, the conference championship game against Houston, they did a lot spinning and rotating their safeties at the snap, and he was very good at deciphering that and getting where he needed to from a read standpoint and putting the ball where it needed to from a placement standpoint. You know, it's not – sometimes in the college game you'll see a bit more static coverages, and it's a little bit easier to figure things out. But when you see a quarterback at the college level working through those kinds of moments and getting where he needs to with football – that's something that's going to get you ready for life in the NFL where you see a bit more rotations with the coverages and you see more spun safety looks. And so I think when you add that to how he tested and this idea that, man, there's a really impressive athlete here as well because Ritter very much played from the pocket. Now you can start thinking about moving him around a little bit. You can start thinking about how maybe once or twice a game we'll get him involved in sort of a the zone read game and maybe we'll use his legs and his athleticism to you know create opportunities, especially as – Bills fans all know you start seeing those two high looks, get the quarterback involved yep. in the run game as a way to sort of get them out of that. 
you put that package together, that sounds like a nice package for a rookie quarterback coming into the National Football League. And so I think Ritter is certainly somebody over the past couple of weeks and certainly this week in Indianapolis who has helped himself immensely when you start thinking about this quarterback group. Gives me all the Mariota vibes, Mark. Yeah, doesn't he? All Very the Mariota vibes. Yeah. And, you know, there's also – I remember when Mariota was coming out, Eric Stoner wrote a fantastic piece about sort of a task-oriented quarterback, right? Sort of somebody that can, like, go through the progression checklist and get to where he needs to do. And, and maybe there's something robotic in that, and maybe there's something almost limiting in mm-hmm. that, in that, you know, maybe he doesn't go off script and create. But for teams that don't want their quarterback to make mistakes, that's somebody that they're going to like. And when you add in that athleticism and sort of the untapped potential that provides, it's a nice little package. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mark Schofield here, the Touchdown Wire, joining us here on the Wester Hotline. We're talking combine, some quarterbacks here. Let's transition, Mark, a little bit into the wide receiver position, which is one I know the Patriots, the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins all are probably looking at. So we went from a position group that nobody in this division really cares a damn about to a position that everyone in this division is likely going to take one or multiple of. What, in your estimation... I. I Going into this combine, were you expecting to see eight guys run sub four fours? Um, and how much should people really take into? Listen, I know when the forty yard dashes happen, Mark, it's kind of the the sexiest thing that people on TV want to maybe point to. And wow, look at Calvin Austin! Wow, look at Kevin Austin! Right, Notre Dame. How many people thought he was? Go- I watched every single game and every snap of Kevin Austin. And if I if you told me he was going to a four three seven, I would have said no way. Uh, um, so, like, I, I, I think that the 40 times can be a little deceiving. And it was funny. Who was I talking to yesterday about this? I was talking to Chris Trapasso about this, where he's like, yeah, name some of the other wide receivers in that, was it the 2018 draft? Was that there, or the 19 draft, DK Metcalf? There was nine right. guys that ran sub 4-4 um, or whatever it was. And half of them aren't even in the league anymore. Or you can't even name where what team they play for. So I think how much do you have to sort of sift through these 40 times to really find the guys at the top of this draft? Right. I mean, I I think it's a data point, but you also have to give it some context, right? How many times over the course of a a season, even a game, are you going to get an uninterrupted 40-yard sprint, and how much does that translate to the game on the field? I mean, you're going to have guys in your way. You're going to have jams that you're going to have to fight through. You're going to have you know, traffic you're going to have to sit through. You're going to have to have coverages and make adjustments based on what they're doing in the secondary. Yeah, sure, in a Hail Mary end-of-game, end-of-half situation, that 40 might come in handy. And perhaps if you catch the ball in the open field, that 40 might come in handy. But that's why I think teams look at other data points to really get a flavor of who these players are and how they'll fit into an NFL offense and how they'll function as an NFL receiver. I mean, a prime example, Cooper Cup. You know, he runs a 4-6-1, I believe, at his combine. But what the Rams really relied on was the chip tracking data at the Senior Bowl that showed that consistently he was one of the fastest receivers, fastest players on the field. And that's an in-game, in-pad situation. Other teams will look at the three-cone, the change of direction stuff. It's like, sure, if you need somebody that can give you just nine routes, yeah, you'll love somebody that can give you a 4-2-9 or something like that. But if you want somebody that can give you option routes, stuff underneath, um, in those sort of 0 to 15-yard range where the NFL game is largely played, you're going to look more to the three-cone and perhaps some of that tracking data to see what they do on the field. And so it's a data point, but I think it does need that context because so much of the NFL game really is done and operates in that 0 to 10-yard, 0 to 15-yard range. So you might look at 10-yard splits. Traylon Burks with his 455 he still had a very good 10-yard split. Mm-hmm. And so you might be looking at him as like, okay, well, a 225 with a 10-yard split like that, that's what we need from him. Like, if we're drafting somebody just to run nine routes, yeah, maybe you'll draft somebody in the four twos. But for where the NFL game is played, I think teams are going to look at track and data, three cones, and other aspects to their athletic profile to make informed decisions. Mark, uh, who in your estimation between the Senior Bowl – and, you know, the combine, it's tough to know in meetings how guys did. I mean, you'll hear you'll hear about guys that maybe did really well, and you'll hear about guys who did really poorly in the interview room, but you're not going to hear a lot about the other stuff. But when, with testing and on-field stuff during practices at the Senior Bowl, at the wide receiver position, is there a guy do you think that's helped himself the most throughout this offseason and pre-draft process that, that maybe was a fringe day two or even maybe going into day three guy that – that could find himself as a early second-round pick or maybe even find a guy, uh, depending on the right team board, that finds himself now in, in maybe smack dab in the first round? 
I mean, I think Christian Watson, the North Dakota State wide receiver, has had a very good pre-draft process so far. He was uh, certainly stood out down at the Senior Bowl, and he's had a very impressive combine, ran very well, tested very well. And as, you know, we know, Nate, we all know that this is that copycat league, right? It's a phrase we throw around all the time to try to explain things, but sometimes, you know, don't need to explain it. But when you see the number of questions asked of coaches, particularly when Mike McDaniel was at his podium session about, oh, how do you find the next Debo Samuel? When you see the way Watson tested and when you see sometimes how an NDSU used him, used him out of the backfield, used him on jet sweeps and things like that. You know, Christy Watson and Debo Samuel are two very different players. And as McDaniel said, look, we weren't looking for Debo. Debo is Debo. He's one of one. But this is a copycat league. Teams are going to want to say, how can we get that element? How can we get that matched-up type of nightmare player that we can get him involved in the run game? We can get him involved in the screen game, the short passing game. We can use him in the vertical passing game. He has that ability to create mismatches and to force defenses to make some tough decisions pre-snap into how you're going to treat him. That's what offensive coordinators want. That's what play designers want. They want that ability to create mismatches. And so I think Christian Watson has really helped himself this draft process, this draft cycle. There are some other players. I mean, Sky Moore, the Western Michigan receiver, who I really like. You know, he's obviously looks like more of a slot type guy, but when you watch him in that offense, they used him on the boundary. He saw a lot of press coverage. He is a very well-rounded release package with his footwork as well as his ability to throw downfield. I mean, beat press coverage and use his hands. I think he's in a very good position as well to perhaps get himself, maybe not into the first round, but at least into day two. But those are two guys, Nate, that I think really helped themselves. Mark, in terms of what we've seen over the last couple of days, I, I want to ask you about some of these offensive linemen. Before I do that, I want to ask you about some of the running backs first because this has been a draft class that doesn't have the Najee Harris, um, at least it would appear. Um, but there are names that have gone into this draft class um, that I was certainly waiting on some testing. Being a Notre Dame guy, I've been a little disappointed in some of the, the, the raw testing numbers I've seen from a guy like Kyron Williams, who I think the film um, probably puts him in the conversation for one of those top guys. I'm not sure if the test Testing matched that film and will allow him to be maybe maximize his draft position and his draft stock. But at the running back position in this draft, I think it's very, it's been talked about, Mark, a lot that the value and the true value in this draft class is going to be between the second, third, and fourth round. Is that where you still see this? And is there anybody in this draft class you think that that could find themselves in the tail end of, of the first round or early in the second round? Like who's, who's the first running back in your mind coming off this board and where, where is that going? Yeah, I mean, I think, Nate, running back is very similar to tight end in that you probably don't see somebody sort of sneak into the first round, but you might see sort of a a run at that position when you get into the second round and, you know, late second round into the third round because I do think there's some day two value at that position. And, you know, I I think the two names to sort of keep in mind there, well, maybe three, uh, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, Isaiah Spiller. um, And I still think that, I know you mentioned Williams, and the tested numbers were not what people were hoping for. But I think it's one of those situations where people will go, then go back to the film and say, okay, well, for whatever reason, what we saw in Indianapolis doesn't look like what we saw on film. You know, they're going to take another look at him. Obviously, he'll probably have to perform better at his pro day. But if he does do that, you know, those fears will be sort of eased a bit. I think those three guys have the potential to be sort of that round two area. I still don't think somebody sneaks into the first. And I think more than any other reason, the depth at receiver, the depth at corner, the depth on the offensive line. I think those are the three positions which probably, and of course, edge too. Those are the four positions which probably dominate the first night of the draft. As we get into the second, I think these running backs start to come off the board. And I do think we might see a little run at a tight end to come off the board. And, you know, you asked me about guys that really help themselves. Jelani Woods, uh, the receiver from um, Virginia who went to the Shrine Bowl had a good week of practice out there, you know, former quarterback. And now he also tested extremely well. He's somebody that's gone from, you know, late day three to perhaps into that day two range as well, given how he tested it. So I think running back and tight end, you might see runs at those positions on the second night of the draft. Mark, and I know you'll appreciate this. um, Not only did Jelani Woods have a great combine, um, he wore number zero in college. And who am I to tell someone that wears number the, the number zero as a tight end that they can't be a second-round pick? Who, who am I to tell them that? Right. Well, Nate, it's like, 
you know, Nick Sirianni told this great story this week after Sam Howell's media session because Howell came out and said, look, you know, I went met with the Eagles and they asked me to, you know, play Papa shot and I hit two or five shots. I don't think they're on their board. And Sirianni was then asked about that at his podium session. He said, look, we're trying to get the answers to the test. And if we can find out whether it's, you know, playing basketball or however, how competitive they are, you know, that's something we want to know. You don't need to ask Jelani Woods to take five basketball shots because if you're going to wear number zero as a tight end, you're pretty competitive. Like, <laughs> that's you've got right. That mental makeup. You've got that self-confidence that, yeah, I can wear zero and play tight end or play any position, frankly, on a football field. And so, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that as well, Nate. I mean, the self-confidence is that, yeah, I'm going to throw on the number zero and strap it up. That's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. All right, I want to ask you about the interior of this offensive line in this draft because Tyler Linderbaum um, of Iowa seems to be the guy that constantly gets talked about. I have not heard a lot of other uh, rumblings of, like, who's the primary number two interior offensive lineman behind him, and uh, who do you like in this draft outside of just the interior, and and this can go beyond just guard at, at center as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M, has been very impressive um, watching him on film. I, I think that in terms of pure just like guards, he's probably the top option at that position. Linderbaum is going to be an interesting study and sort of value because, you know, he is a center and he does project best to a zone-based run scheme. He measured in today, and I'm already seeing some rumblings on the timeline that, oh, his arms are a little short. He's a little undersized. You heard some discussions, well, if you're in a division that you see a lot of three-man surfaces, you see a lot of that zero-and-one technique week in and week out, maybe you don't want to draft him because you're not sure he's going to hold up against those standard, like, three-technique, I mean, excuse me, zero-and-one technique interior defensive linemen. But if you've seen a lot of four-man surfaces, maybe you'll feel a bit more comfortable. And so Linderbaum's, while he's, you know, one of two players in this draft that is clearly the top of his position. There's Linderbaum at center, and there's, you know, obviously Kyle Hamilton at safety. I think the value discussion with Linderbaum is going to be interesting. I mentioned Green. And then there's Zion Johnson, um, who played both tackle and guard at Boston College. At the Senior Bowl, took some reps at center. You know, he's trying to make the case that he can play all five spots from left to right, but I think he projects best on the interior. He's probably somebody late day one. But those, I think, Nate, are the three options on the interior that you will probably hear on the first night of the draft. Mark, appreciate you, boss. Thanks for hopping on, uh, giving us some insight. I'm sure we'll be doing this again before the before the combine or before the uh, the NFL draft comes up here at the end of April. So we appreciate you, man. Uh, any work to plug? Uh, any podcasts coming up? Any cool things that people should know? Considering you're going to have a lot more information at your fingertips over the next couple of days as the combine wraps up. Yeah, Nate. Well, I, I, while I was out in India, I, I did some stuff, some takeaways on the quarterbacks, some takeaways on the offensive line that I got a chance to talk to. For example, Andrew Lucas, the, the Washington State uh, offensive tackle, had a great story about getting a noise complaint on campus when he was ripping some Slayer um, on the guitar <laughs> one night, uh, which I thought was a fantastic story. Um, so Abraham Lucas, he was a fun guy to talk to. Daniel Falele, the Minnesota tackle, who's just massive. And then look, Trevor, Trevor Pennon, the Northern Iowa guy, uh, Maddie Glab, uh, who covers the Bills, she had a great quote from him, three words to describe himself, one of which I can't use on the air, but of course I used that um, in the article <laughs> yes, as well. So course. you can check that stuff out at uh, touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the Combine, and uh, we'll talk before the draft. Sounds great, Nate. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a great day. You as well. Mark Schofield there of the Touchdown Wire joining us to talk some combo. I'm going to take a timeout. i got to squeeze two in here. On the other side, we'll have Patricia Trina of uh, Lockdown Giants. She's also a writer for SI.com and covers the Giants. We'll have her coming up next here on WGR. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Sorry, i got to take a quick time out here. I've got Patricia Trina on the other side of Locked On Giants. We'll talk about some of the Giants' rumors across the league. And quickly, if you are not privy to the situation happening uh, in the WNBA, um, a report from – it. I mean, it's kind of coming from all over, but the New York Times reported an hour ago that Russian customs officials said they've detained star American basketball player – Brittany Griner after finding hashish oil in her luggage at an airport near Moscow. And some of the background is Griner plays overseas during the WNBA offseason. The scary part is Griner has been under uh, has been detained for over three weeks. And we here in America are just hearing about it this after or this this morning and into the afternoon. So the, when we hear more about this, we'll definitely pass that along. But I thought that was breaking news coming out of the New York Times that uh, I mean, everybody across the uh, across sports knows who's who Brittany Griner is and to know that she's been detained in a Russian um you know a, a, a Russian jail for the better part of three weeks during this conflict and no one has been made aware of it is a really scary thing so we'll take a time out on the other side more sports talk Saturday here on WGR <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.